1: Welcome to Time Masters, a PoppyChulaRadio.com original series, Poppy Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, August 23rd, 2021, a very special date for WandaVision fans, and I am your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Please welcome my co-host, Millie Wood. Hello, listeners. And Professor X. Uh, I guess I could use some more drama. (laughs) Yes, perfect. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 6, Episode 13, which was titled Silence of the Sonograms, and aired August 22nd, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. With the legends on high alert with their unwanted guest in their custody... Ava is tasked with the interrogation, while Nate and Sarah watch. Rory is struggling with the terrible pain in his head, and Gary tries to help to manage it the best he can. Meanwhile, Zari enlists Astra and Spooner's help to figure out what is going on with Constantine. Yes, all that actually happened. Thank you, CW Press release people. Let's talk about this. This was a big episode. It is the Antipen episode. We have two episodes left for the season. They are getting all their ducks in a row for whatever it is that's going to happen. Two episodes from now. Bishop is on the ship. Uh, Kayla is missing Mick is pregnant. Constantine is struggling. Let's talk about it all. And let's actually start off with the curious case of uh, Mr. Constantine. So in this episode, we start off with uh, Zari realizing that something Is off with Constantine and actually picks up exactly where it ended because she had seen the mark on his back that was the mark from the beast uh, the mark of the beast uh, from the board game where she stabbed the beast so she realized that that Constantine was lying to her and that he has been lying all this time and she wants to get down to exactly what's going down with Constantine she does enlist Astra's help And they end up actually getting Spooner's help as well to try to understand what happened in Spain. Professor, talk to me about this storyline in particular because they bring in Astra and Spooner. Astra makes sense because, you know, she has this connection with Constantine. Spooner, because of what happened in Spain... Uh, so it all makes sense as to why they're brought in, but they, but they're also pairing them together again, which is very interesting because uh, the the series has enjoyed Astra and Spoons together. What do you think of the trio trying to figure out what's going down in Constantine's mind?
2: I thought it was good and it made sense, you know, like sometimes on Legends, it's like they're throwing characters in there just because you have to give someone something to do. In this case, everyone had a reason for being there. Zari because, you know, she was trying to figure out what was the deal with her boyfriend. Uh, Astra because she's the magic user and Spooner because she was there when John supposedly, uh, you know, drank from the uh, the vaunt of Imperium. Uh, so it made sense uh, having them all there. Uh, and, and I like the fact that, you know, Azari had the agency to figure out things, you know, not. And necessarily on her own but to do it you know with the help of the team so it wasn't that you know john just uh revealed himself or anything like that um it did give them the agency they did manage to figure out everything on their own and i think that made you know zari and her you know uh, you know, reaction to finding out what had happened with her dumpster fire of a boyfriend um, uh, and also playing back the idea of, of Spooner's reaction to uh, to finding out that she had, you know, without consent had her memory wiped and we said at the time that was a pretty serious evil thing for John to have done at the time uh, and it's good that Spooner now knows that and, you know, there will be consequences for that one hopes.
1: Oh, absolutely. 100%. I feel like that's coming big time. Uh, I don't think you piss Spooner off without there being consequences. Uh, Right, Millie? What'd you think of uh, the trio together? Zari, Astra, Spooner, and let's bring in Constantine, because there are many confrontations with Constantine um, and and Zari. Uh, What'd you think of their dynamic throughout the episode?
0: I really enjoyed the dynamic. I felt like it was very realistic, Um, and it was a different side of of Zari than I think that we normally get uh, because she's always like kind of fluffy and very like positive to get her to have like that real conversation and really like call Constantine out on and really challenge him on that I enjoy it and I thought it was a very mature way for them to handle it Um, and and the like ups and downs they go throughout um, I think it was very realistic we kind of talked about and I feel like I harped a little more negatively, and I feel more positive this week about, like, John as arc, and I think it is more reflective of, like, someone battling addiction. I think that we definitely see that there. Um, and I do enjoy that we get you to know, see this little trio. It makes sense. I like, I like them together. I also uh, agree that you need Spooner in. I mean, I feel like I also enjoy how she's, like, kind of the, the arms. Like, she has guns, she has the sass, and she has everything, so I like seeing more of her um, being able to, like, help in different situations.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Constantine. Let's focus specifically on him. Because he really goes through the ringer in this episode. You know, he is fighting his inner demon literally. Um he at one point he gets beat down. Like he it's blood and thrown all over the freaking place. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, he's really in, he's in a, um, he's in a, in, in a mental fight as well as in a physical fight with this demon that's taunting him. That's basically saying, you, you know, you're not going to stop drinking that tincture, you know, just, you might as well, why did you throw it, why didn't you throw it away? Uh, you think, uh, Zari is going, you know, you're going to stop all this for love. You want the power, you want the magic, and uh, at one point, it does seem like love wins. There was a moment where it looked like love was going to win. You know, Constantine was like, I'm not going, because Zari confronts him. You know, why are you drinking this? What are you doing with yourself? What's going on? You know, th- this, this is it for me. This, if you do this, we're through. And so he decides not to drink it. But, uh, you know, once again, that physical fight with uh, the inner demon, and uh, the demon ends up winning at the end of it. We'll talk about a certain um, deal a little bit later, because that, you know, dovetails with a whole nother storyline. Professor, Constantine's struggle, both mental and physical, in this episode... What did you think of all that, Uh, you know, we've been talking about, as uh, Millie just mentioned, you know, this whole storyline with Constantine is an addiction storyline. And it's a little different than the typical addiction storyline because it has to deal with magic and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, it is an addiction storyline. What did you think of how it played out in this episode and Zari's intervention that looked successful but then clearly wasn't?
2: Yeah, well, I, I've said, you know, since they introduced the idea of magic as the addiction for John, you know, and when they first did it, it was like, you know, it, it was that he, you know, he needed the magic, you know, because there were so many people, uh, you know, uh, who wanted him dead. He essentially, if, if they found out he didn't have his magic, he'd have a big target on his back. Uh, now it has clearly morphed into just, you know, the addiction side of things. And uh, again, I've said before, I like how they're playing this out because they're they're not coming up with any sort of, you know, magic. Sorry for the uh, choice of words, uh, you know, getting out of it. Um, you know, it does feel very real, you know, because John honestly, I think, wants to change and wants to change for the sake of Zari. I think he does love her and and he wants to change. But ultimately, as we saw in that manifestation of his darker side, he's not strong enough to do it um, and, uh, and, uh, and and and, you know, fails in the end. And, and I think, again, that that plays very real for people who've dealt with addiction or people who have dealt with people who are dealing with addiction you know they may want to change but sometimes that's not enough um i also thought it was you know interesting that they the way they played it where uh john was basically dealing with you know the uh, the other version of himself in his mind it's become something of a trope uh you know in superhero shows that you know going into someone's mind and dealing with them or you know dealing with another version of yourself in your mind and stuff like that to have it be that graphic and that violent i think did play up you know the uh the level of uh the fight that was going on essentially for john's soul so i think it was it was surprisingly well done um you know uh, and uh uh, it, it, it feels, you know, earned. It, it doesn't feel like it's a cheap cop out. I think that if he had, you know, kicked it, you know, in one episode, then it would have been a cheap cop out, but having him basically really, really want to. And I think Matt Ryan did a great job of selling the fact that John really, really wants to change, uh, for Zari and for himself. Uh, but ultimately he can't because part of him is just an asshole. And, uh, and, and so for me personally, I I liked how they played that.
1: We did get them swapping I Love You's in this episode, which was interesting. I mean, the the suspense in this storyline is killing me, because we know Matt Ryan is not coming back next season as Constantine. So every time an episode ends, I'm wondering, what the hell is going to happen to Constantine that he's no longer going to be on the show? You know, is he just going to leave? Is he going to die? Millie, since I mentioned death, what what, what do you think is going on here? Do you think that now that the dark side of Constantine, you know, this inner demon, this uh, addiction demon that's in him that craves the power, the magic, everything, do you think he's going to fully take over? Do you think, you know, our Constantine is gone? Do you think that's how... We're going to get rid of Constantine. Do you think Constantine can be saved? And uh, since you're a violent woman, um, did you enjoy all the bloodshed?
0: I did. And I was surprised about the amount. Because I feel like it's not very CW, especially Legends. They like to be on the happier side mostly. But I was like, that was intense. Um, I think, personally, I could see it ending in death. Or I think I would like it. Um, (laughs) But then... But I think if you get the flip side, it's like if this is a story about addiction, it would make sense that he doesn't die and it's all about him overcoming it. And he sacrifices something and then that's like how he sees the light and he over defeats the darkness. But you could go the darker side and be like, well, you know, sometimes darkness does win and this dark Constantine will take over and that will be his downfall. I feel like that would be an interesting route to go. And we talked about it for, I think, a couple of uh, episodes. I know where the professor feels, but I think that darkness winning could be an interesting angle.
1: Okay. I'm actually, I'm not surprised that you said any of that. That's why I specifically asked you that question. (laughs) Yes, you did not disappoint. I I love it. And once again, I will give props to the blood. Like, it's weird to say, but it was unexpected, especially as you said, Millie, for a CW show. But not just for a CW show, but for Legends. Uh yeah, um, I don't know if over on Riverdale, you know, the people get that bloodied up. I know that there's a lot of death on Riverdale, so people move out of Riverdale because apparently all y'all are dying. But uh, yeah, it was a a bloody hour for uh, for for the CW, at least in this storyline. Like everything else, yeah, it was lovely as long as you you consider whatever that was eggs hatching out your nose. So, let's move over to that storyline. So, in this episode, Rory is going through a whole lot of pain. And uh, I'll bring in Bishop for a half a second, uh, and then I'll bring him in for another half a second in a moment. Uh, Bishop ends up telling them, you know, what to do to sort of calm the pregnancy pains, because if if they don't to create this... Uh, this gray tincture, they, uh, that uh, the um, eggs in, um, in Rory's brain were going to start feeding off of his brain. And so they do that, this, that, the other, and then all of a sudden Rory is giving birth. So he is rushed in and uh, Bishop ends up escaping and helps in the delivery. Let's talk about this, because I was surprised. I know that the episode is Silence of the Sonograms, so we knew that something with Rory's pregnancy was going to be involved in this. I was really surprised at how fast this happened. I don't know if anybody else was. I mean, clearly, we end up finding out later on that uh, that the birth was induced, and this, that, or the other, but... Still, I thought it was really fast that this ended up happening. Uh, I also thought the CGI was hella interesting. Um, Everything about this was just ridiculously legends. uh, Wasn't it, Millie?
0: Yes. And I agree, the CGI was... It got me, like, a little bit... (laughs) So I was impressed.
1: I'm sorry, I do not want anything that big popping out my nose. Like, I'm just saying... (laughs) I'm just saying that looked a lot. Professor, I want to get your take on uh, Gary and Rory together in this episode. We saw them a lot together. Gary was trying to help, you know, because uh, it is his alien species that, um, you know, uh, ended up impregnating Rory. At one point, Rory is like, you're going to be the godfather of these 49 alien Children, to which Gary was hella excited. What did you think of Gary and Rory paired up together in this
2: episode? I thought it was great. I thought you know, one of the things that you know we often, or not maybe not often, but we sometimes said that you know whenever you have a a you know a Constantine heavy storyline, it tends to suck all the oxygen uh, out of the episode. I think they did a really great job of giving you know uh, adequate time to all of the plot lines, uh, and even you know allowing Gary to be in there and you know his reaction to. Uh, uh, to uh, to being named uh, Godfather, as you said, you know, was uh, was delightful. So you know, he got something to do. Uh, Rory got something to do. Uh, Rory got to pull his hair out, so he got back to his uh, normal look by the end of the episode. Um, I liked that. I, I think it. Uh, yes, I agree that it was uh, a bit rushed, but there's only two episodes left in the season, and they're obviously building up to some big stuff with John and Bishop, and we also still have to have the wedding. So I think it makes sense to get that out of the way. Totally. Yeah, 100%. I
1: I do agree with you on that. Yeah, even though it was, yeah, it was a lot. This episode dealt with a lot. And so let's talk about the main storyline in this episode. And it was all about Bishop. It was all about getting into Bishop's mind and trying to figure out exactly what he's doing. And uh, the majority of the episode, it really is Ava and Bishop together. Ava's like, oh, I want to get into the mind of, you know, an evil mastermind. You know, I can do it. Because remember, she she podcasts about serial killers and, and that sort of thing. So she really wanted to get into the mind of the killer. I mean, that's where, well, not the killer, but you know, the evil person. Um, That's where you know, the silence of sonograms ended up coming. You know, she is she is, um, oh crap, now her name is escaping me. Um... What is her name in Silence of the Lambs? Um, Jodie Foster's character.
2: Clarice Starling. Clarice
1: Starling, yes. She is the Clarice to uh, Bishop's Hannibal Lecter. Sort of. Uh, and there's, all, there's, a, there's an interesting dynamic. Because initially, Ava is in control. She is leading the conversation. She's leading Bishop uh, along the path that she has set. But the relationship becomes a little too close because Bishop is saying, you know, that he followed them, not because he has anything nefarious planned, but because he wants to be close to them, them being Ava and Sarah, because they're basically his family, his only family left. You know, they're all clones uh, he ended up creating the Ava prototype. Uh, we get into Ava's head a little bit about how she's feeling about the, the wedding. And then he starts picking and prodding and questioning a whole bunch of stuff. And he tries to be helpful. He basically tells her that he sees himself almost as a father figure to her. They do a father-daughter dance. Uh, and all of this ends up really triggering Ava Professor, talk to me about the Ava Bishop dynamic. them together, also how they used both Sarah and Nate as as they're watching them, you know because they're they're talking about Ava playing the mental chess with Bishop, and so we actually get the the image of them playing chess, like you know actually playing chess. What did you think of how this storyline Played out up to the this point, you know, where Ava has her breakdown.
2: Um, uh, I, I liked it. I mean, it, it was and it was really well, you know, written and played because it was entirely possible that Bishop had turned a new leaf. That you know he, uh, you know, everything he was doing on face value uh, was you know done for beneficial reasons um, you know and he was presented in a very different way I, you know I have I enjoyed the return of Bishop um, you know I wasn't sure when you know we found out last episode that he was going to be back uh, but I like it I mean you know I think the actor is tremendously having fun with the character and uh, and did a very good job of, of presenting him in that different light so you can totally buy that uh, I do wish that they'd you know done a specific call out to the stab cast because we we haven't mentioned that in a couple of seasons um, but uh, I think it was it was good you know and again, you know, possibly a little bit of, you know, COVID protocol or whatever, but just having, you know, the two characters, you know, talking to each other in that way. And I think it, it, you know, much more so than uh, than Bishop. I mean, Bishop was essentially there to bring out the fears that Ava's had, and, and Ava, you know, as co captain, as someone who's you know, uh, you know, going through this sort of thing for the first time, um, you know, she's been not dealing with a lot of uh, of her concerns. You know, as she said, you know, uh, you know, not having real parents, never seeing love between them, she she doesn't really know. Uh, if she can handle this. And uh, I think they did a nice job of bringing that out. And I think Jess McCallum did a great job of bringing it out, you know, starting out as the uh, the person who is clearly manipulating Bishop and then uh, sort of allowing him to get into her head, as you say, uh, like a Hannibal Lecter, Clarice, Starling sort of situation. So I think it, it really worked quite well to to give out that uh, that character development for Ava, uh, you know, and sort of make manifest why she's been having trouble uh, with the uh, th- with the planning. Uh, and all that, and 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 in all of that, you know, managing to make it quite touching. As you mentioned, the father daughter dance, uh, the Lou Reed song was a perfect choice, um, and uh, and getting that emotional payoff for Ava, where you know she does have to leave and is is dealing with you know, um, uh, and you know, even though Bishop, you know, was clearly manipulating her to to get what he wanted, she did get uh, some emotional growth and some catharsis out of that, and got a great scene with uh, with Sarah as a result of it. So even though Bishop was you know manipulating to his own ends. Uh, Ava ended up getting some important character growth out of it. So I really, really did like how this worked. Yeah, it was an interesting storyline. Because
1: for the most part, I really did buy Bishop. And maybe it's the actor, how he played him. But I was believing Bishop. And even when he, you know, uh, escaped, in air quotes, to help Rory, you know, he ended up going back. And so I, did, I was, like, buying it for a moment. And I was like, well, this is going to be a strange end to the season because I'm enjoying Bishop's vibe on the Writer. I mean, it, it, was, it was fascinating. Millie, I want to bring you into this conversation. Ava and Bishop together. Uh, what did you think of um, Ava's side of the story in this episode? And uh, what did you think of Bishop? And his interactions with everybody. I mean, there were some really great lines, especially when the entire team was like looking at Bishop, and they're like, "Oh, he's a snazzy dresser," and um, and. Um What was, I forget the the exact line, but uh, it was like, do all, you know, supervillains have to dress so sharp or something? And uh, Aster was like, they do. And, uh, of course, Zari had to say something about the turtleneck being too much. Like, there was a lot of great lines with, like, just the legends reacting to Bishop. But did you buy his story, Millie?
0: I, I didn't buy it. Like, I knew they had to be some kind of turn, and I was like, there's no way he just wants to play nice and, and be part of the Legends team, but I couldn't figure out what his angle was. Um, so I was, I was, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop um, for the whole thing, but I did like the pair up with him and Ava because it, it's something like, I, I didn't expect, like, a, that storyline, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of glad we got it because it is something that hasn't really been touched on for her and for it to come from him her quote-unquote creator at least a clone like I feel like it was very fitting that that was like it got to come from him and that was the conversation that I have um and I love his energy I thought he was like absolutely fabulous this um this episode the fact that he was like a little bit less bishopy I think was a good balance because I feel like he can get really over the top and he milled out a little bit so I think that it was a nice balance I kind of watching all of the legends and the reaction, I can't remember who said it, but like how they kind of, they felt a little bit disappointed, like, this is Bishop, like this all evil guy. Um, but I thought it was great, and also his outfit was very well-dressed. This whole, um, whole episode, I was just admiring, like, you know, they have him well-dressed
1: this time around. Well, uh, this time around, I feel like Bishop's fashion has been on point. Uh, he has unique fashion, uh, but I think he always has really nice fashion. Maybe I'm... It's been a moment since we've seen him, but I feel like he always was a snazzy dresser. Maybe. Maybe not up to Millie's standards. Yeah, I, think...
0: <laughs> I think it was more just like, was it like a cow pattern? I don't know. I just the pattern really like put it above all his other outfits for me.
1: Yeah, he the was pattern was fascinating. Toy. I don't know what it was. Was it houndstooth?
0: <laughs> I have no idea.
1: Neither. It was a fascinating pattern, yes. Uh, it was all matchy-matchy, which was nice. You know, it's always nice to match. Okay, so, so Bishop, he he's saying that, you know, he just wants family. We do, do learn a secret that shakes the team a bit, uh, before what happens at the end. And that is that when Bishop printed himself, or the well, I should say when Kayla ends up printing Bishop, uh Remember Bishop, you know, they when he was like paused, the upload was paused uh, way back on uh, Planet Bishop. And so when, you know, he was printed, you know, there was 6% of his genetic material that is Sarah Lance. So Bishop is part Sarah. And uh, that is how he was able to... Hack into Gideon and Escape to help Mick with the pregnancy. We also got a snazzy fight sequence between Sarah and Bishop set to spectacular music. And yeah, but but even after all of that, Bishop willingly goes back to uh, you know, solitary confinement, although he does bring along a little something that he swiped. We'll talk about the something that he swiped in a moment before we get into that. Professor, Bishop being 6% Sarah Lance, what did you think of that? Uh, what did you think of how the writers employed that 6% in this episode?
2: Well, I have a problem with it putting my molecular biologist hat on for a moment. That's not how DNA works. Uh, you know, getting 6% of someone's DNA doesn't mean you can automatically fight like them. That's something you learn. It also wouldn't give him access to the code words to, uh, uh, to get Gideon to let him out of the cell. And I, I, I'm offended on behalf of Gideon that, you know, uh, that was allowed to happen. Uh, but having said that. The fight scene was awesome. Uh, it really, I mean, both of them were great. Uh, it looked good. Uh, you know, it was you know a, a chance for Sarah to fight someone that's an equal, and it's always kind of neat. The uh, you know we did have the uh, you know the uh, the fighting pose for those of you who've seen Black Widow. So you know, Sarah was briefly a poser. Um, so I really liked how it paid off. I, I was bothered. You know, from a molecular biology point of view uh, that, you know, but the payoff for it, I think, was sufficiently high that I'm willing to uh, to set that aside. So I liked what we got out of it, even though I don't know that it, uh, it necessarily makes uh, any biological sense.
1: Well, did Mick shooting out alien, whatever that was, out his nose make biological sense?
2: Um, A little bit more. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. It, it, Somehow the, the babies would have had to, uh, uh, to move from uh, the brain to the sinus cavities. And, you know, size-wise, obviously, it didn't fit. But, no, it's just, you know, the sort of, you know, uh, again, it's just one of my little, you know, again, with my molecular biology hat on, uh, you know, uh, the, the sort of, you know, casual sense of what DNA is and how it works. So, you know, people just continuously get that wrong.
1: Well, that is true. I can't uh, deny that. So at the end of the episode, we see that Bishop has taken uh, Rory's comms and he uses it to uh, chat with Constantine and to basically make him an offer. So earlier in the episode, we see him observe the trio, Zari, Astra, Spooner, talking about Constantine and so he has this line with, um, with Ava. You know, I can help you out with your friend, Constantine. You know, he's going through something, right? And uh, Ava's like, no, I don't I think he's fine. And so he ends up hitting up Constantine directly and basically tells him, you know, I know your problem. I can help you out. And initially, you know, our Constantine is in control. And he turns him down, turns the comms off, and once the addiction demon that's inside of Constantine emerges and takes over, he ends up hitting Bishop up to see what he wants and um, how, you know, he can make it happen. So clearly some shenanigans are going to ensue. And probably evil, dark, and grimy shenanigans. <laughs> Millie, Constantine, and Bishop. A match made in heaven? Or hell, maybe?
0: A very weird match. Like, it shouldn't work, but I feel like... It will work, especially when you have the plucky attitude of Bishop with the darkness of dark Constantine. Um, it It's a recipe for interesting, as you said, shenanigans, dark. Um, because I think as bright as Bishop is, he has a very twisted mind. So it'll be interesting to see what he can convince Constantine to do.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Professor, Constantine and Bishop, together forever. Are you excited by this pairing?
2: Uh, you know, I'm curious as to to what the end result of it is. I mean, is it just Bishop messing things up for for messing things up? Say, because, you know, he arrived at the ship. He he didn't seem to know about John's situation until he uh, he picked it up by, you know, apparently reading lips of them discussing it out in the hall. Um, unless the argument is that because he has you know six percent of Sarah's DNA, he automatically knows that as well. Um, if that is the case that he he picked all of that up, I mean it does sort of set up, you know, just how clever he is and also a nice little uh, callback to uh 2001 Space Odyssey, uh where how the evil computer is able to read lips. So uh yeah, I mean I have to assume that you know he's he's lying to John because there's no there's no reason uh, that he would have access to the font of Imperium or anything like that. Uh, and it's just manipulating him for some purpose now, what that purpose is uh I have no idea uh you know John you know does have his his blood so he he does have access to power um So, yeah, I I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to it uh, coming together. Uh, If only because, you know, it it means that, you know, Bishop will continue to be uh, an active part of what's going on next episode. Although, because Sarah and Ava figured out that he was tricking them uh, by the end of this episode, uh, you know, we can't have him just sort of, you know, staying there, interacting with them. It's got to be more of a classic, you know, uh, a villain doing his villainy things. So I am curious to see what they're going to do with it. Um, uh, And and, and I honestly don't know. As Millie was talking, I had the disturbing thought that, well, what if Constantine does manage to conquer his bad side because of his love for Zari, and that means that he's suddenly worthy of the font of Imperium. Um, But then he'd still be around with his powers, and yeah, I don't think that would work. So, yeah, I I really can't see that happening.
1: Yeah. I have no idea where this storyline is going, unless... Yeah, I'm 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 wondering if we are going to have to go back to the fountain somehow, if there's another fountain out there, because I I do wonder what the deal is going to be. There's got to be something that's going to be beneficial to Bishop, and there's got to be something that's clearly beneficial to Constantine. For Constantine, it's the magic. But what is it going to be for Bishop? Does anyone have a a guess? how's Bishop going to benefit from this partnership
2: I don't know again like his his goal at the beginning of the episode was you know crossing aliens with humans to create you know superhuman humans who could survive in any environment. This doesn't seem to be playing into that um so I don't know uh unless he's you know being evil for the sake of evil uh but it does seem that you know. Again, you know, logically, because he did arrive without knowing uh, any of that, he's got to be improvising. So maybe he's just, you know, playing it out to see what he can accomplish. I don't know. Um, It's curious.
1: It is because there are two episodes left, and we have no idea where their storyline is going. Outside of the fact that uh, you know Mick already gave birth, so clearly we're going to see. They were talking about the babies hatching, so I guess those are eggs, and they will hatch. Uh, We'll see that at some point. And uh, clearly we are getting a wedding. I will assume it's in the final episode of the season. Um, Other than that, I have no idea where the hell we're going. And I'm kind of excited. It's nice not being able to really predict how this one ends. Yes. Uh, Was there anything that I missed? A tiny little moment? Anything that either of you want to chat about? Before we head into the MVP, well, let's do it MVP time. The most. Hey, wait. Speaking of something that we missed, there was no Bayrod in this episode, right? Like zero Bayrod. Not even like an appearance. He mentioned last, at the end of last episode he was going to go visit his parents. So. Oh yes, yes, yes. That is true. Okay, that's a good way to COVIDly get him off set. Yes. All right. MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie Wood, who's your MVP? Was it the blood? Is the blood the MVP?
0: The blood and the CGI eggs hatching, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'd have to give, uh, character-wise, I'll have to give my MVP to Bishop. It was Good to have him back. Um, I forgot how much I, I've enjoyed his presence and the fact that he's such an interesting villain because we we don't know what his plan is and he seems to be like two steps ahead of the legends. Um, so I think he's definitely uh, we're up for a wild ride. And I just as you mentioned earlier, like he the actor is having a lot of fun with the character. You can see that, so it just makes it an overall like very happy, fun villain story.
1: He's just two steps ahead. He isn't ten steps ahead.
0: As of now, two, but he might be 10.
1: Okay.
0: We'll, we'll see.
1: Yes, it's an Arrow reference, I'm just saying. Yes. <laughs> Professor, your MVP and why?
2: I'll give it to Ava. I thought uh, Jess McCallum was really, really strong uh, in this episode. Uh, you know, she really carried uh, along with, uh, with Bishop uh, that main storyline. And as I say, she did get the, uh, uh, the emotional payoff. Uh, as also, you know, she and Sarah were able to figure out that they have been played on their own, so it's not like, uh, Bishop gets to hatch his evil plot and they're, they're caught, flat-footed. they did figure it out on their own, uh, which I like for her, and also finding out that, you know, her original name was supposed to be Boss Ava, uh, which, you know, is nice rather than Bossy Ava.
1: Yes, shout out to Boss Ava. I'm gonna give my MVP as much as I'd want to give it to Matt Ryan and Constantine, because he was fantastic, if I have a reason to give it to Zari, as many of us, you know, have said in the past, I, I I will give it to Zari. I enjoyed Tala Ash this episode. I enjoyed her being, you know, the concerned partner in that relationship with Constantine. I enjoyed that she played, um, she was basically uh, Jessica Fletcher, Nancy Drew, whoever you want to call her, you know, basically gathering all of these Bits, These nuggets of information from Astra from Spooner trying to figure out what's going on with Constantine. She was the one that ended up stealing his tincture and she gave him the ultimatum and it looked like it was going to work. Clearly it, it didn't. But I really enjoyed what Tala Ash did in this episode. I'm glad that they made her incredibly um, proactive in the situation, as opposed to just being reactive to everything that was going on with Constantine. So, now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode? On a scale of 1 to 10 wave riders, the point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden Wave Rider. Professor?
2: I really enjoyed the episode. I think they did a great job of balancing the various plot lines. Uh, you know, it wasn't that one took over the others. Uh, and, you know, I, honestly, everything felt really good. You know, maybe they did rush the Rory thing a little bit and it was, you know, played almost exclusively for comic effect. Uh, but overall, I thought it was, it was a really nice balancing job. I'm going to give it 9.5 Wave Riders. 9.5 from the professor.
1: Millie Wood, how would you rate this episode?
0: I think I'm going to have to agree with the professor and give 9.5 as well. Um, I really liked it. Was everything's coming together and it kind of all makes sense. I think for me, the Constantine storyline finally clicked, and um, I really liked the Under storyline that with Ava that I wasn't expecting, um, and it all kind of made sense. It was moving, and there's some good, funny bits. Definitely enjoyable. Definitely rewatchable. So 9.5.
1: And I co-sign for all the same reasons. Uh, rewatchable episode, very well done. Three storylines that were separate, but uh, ended up getting you know, a, a good, e- almost equal amount of uh, sto- story time. Air time, I should say. Uh, and they all kind of you know, converged by the end of the episode, which was really neat. And everyone that was there got something to do which I liked. Um, So, uh, yeah, I will co-sign with 9.5, a very good episode of Legends of Tomorrow. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Time Masters. Here's our announcer, Gidget, to remind you on how you can interact with us.
2: Thank you, Captain. Follow Papichilo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Papichilo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at Are you interested in joining the Papichilo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at Papichieloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Papichular Radio programs by visiting papicularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain.
1: Thanks, Gidget. She makes a good uh, Earl Grey tea, I'm just saying. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with uh, Millie Wood. Good
0: night, listeners. If you want to follow with me, I'm on Twitter it's at The
1: Asian Nerd. And The Professor. Good night, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papi Chulo Radio archives. Good night.